The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you by Suzanne Giesman's free online video event with the Shift Network. Three keys to unlock your powers of mediumship. Go to unityonlineradio.org slash Suzanne to sign up today. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm coming to you from Kent Island in Maryland. Ty and I have made it all the way across the country. This is the first time in months that I've done a show from Eastern Time Zone, and I'll be doing that for many months more now as we settle into our new home uh, later this month or a bit after that. We're moving to South Carolina after being in Florida for 11 years. But Enough of that. I wanted to start by answering a question that somebody just submitted to me by email, and then we'll get on to our awesome guest. I don't want to cut into his time too much, but I want to give a shout-out to Darren in eastern Canada. He, he wrote to me and said, Every email message I get from you and your guide, Sanaya, ends with, You are so very loved. Can you help us know how much that is? Maybe an example? Well, I'll tell you all. When the spirit world tells us how much they love us, they've also told me if we were to experience how much we're loved energetically, our bodies simply could not handle it. We would drop to our knees and just dissolve into a puddle. And I know that feeling because they've given me just a taste of it when I channel them. And it just can bring you to tears instantly. And what those across the veil tell us is that without that physical body that acts as a container that can only contain so much, we feel, feel the fullness of how much we're loved. And it is beyond human comprehension because we simply are not able to handle it. So just imagine the greatest, most blissful feeling of love you've ever had. And that just begins to touch on it. So how's that for an answer? Now, let's move on to our guest today because I don't want to waste any time. I just love this guy's energy. I know you will, too. Our guest today is Joe McQuillan, and his life was turned inside out forever when he got a call that his beautiful son, Christopher, had passed. And we're going to let Joe tell all the details of that. But 
Joe has become an absolute spokesman for those across the veil, and he's not a medium. But his quest to find evidence that his son Christopher continues on after death turned him into an inspirational voice for anybody who's grieving. And it's funny that I heard him on an interview, and he's, you know, his name is Joe, and he really is a regular Joe. And that's why I wanted to have him on the show, because, you know, many times we have mystics and we have big-name authorities on different topics. And I'll let Joe tell you just how regular of a guy he is, but he's done it. He's broken through the veil and connected with his son, and he serves as an inspiration for anybody who's trying to connect with any loved one, not just a child across the veil. So, Joe, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Suzanne. I was, uh, I'm humbled by your introduction. That's, that's lovely. I, I, do, I, I do take pride in being a regular Joe. That's, uh, that's who I am. That's, that's who my son was, that we were, we were, we were blue-collar people you know, from blue-collar stock. And uh, I'm grateful to give the opportunity to stay in touch with my boy. Awesome. Well, let's just go just a little bit of your background. When you say blue-collar stock and all that, where are you from and what's your your work life, your family life been like? Tell me about your whole yeah. family and all of it. You know, I was raised in an Irish Catholic family, 10 kids, oh um, the youngest of 10, but it was really two families were united. Uh, my my father's brother married my mother's sister, and, uh, and, he, and, and, and she was killed in a car accident oh. when he was driving, and uh, left five of our cousins that my dad just took in and raised us as brothers and sisters uh, and, and were immediately in 10. Uh, I was born the following month. You know, didn't know until I was about sixth grade that, you know, five of these brothers and sisters were cousins. And, wow. Uh, and, and that's just the way he did it. Nothing, nothing ever went. There was no state aid. There was no changing anything. The birth certificates were all very close. So, he just, my mom and dad just said, these are ours now, and that's how we went about life, you know. And, and we were. we were. It was a blue-collar family. The old man, nickname was Iron Joe, uh, was a railroader for 40 years. A railroader for 40 yeah. years? Yeah, 40. And for every my, boy. And, and let me tell on, you. first exposure to <laughs> mediums, my dad came through and showed her a, a caboose. Well, Joe, my dad was a railroader for 44 years. How about that? <laughs> my my dad had the most seniority between Buffalo, New York, and Syracuse, New York, and every one of the boys in the family worked on the railroad during college. I was the only brakeman. They were clerks and dispatchers, and and uh, I'm looking at a at a Canadian Pacific Railroad lantern on top of my uh, bookcase because that cold steel that's what ran through our family. My grandfather on my mom's side was a railroader. My beloved uncle Bill was a railroader. I mean, we were a railroad family, you know. I don't. Did you ever have a? Why did I think you had a car dealership? Well, I was. I I, I was okay, a brakeman. Okay. I was a brakeman for a few years. I was a brakeman. I worked on the railroad for maybe three or four years, and then all the industry collapsed in in, in upstate New York. You know, with the steel mm-hmm. mills and such. I moved to D.C. and then when I came to Chicago, and I've been sober thirty three years. So I I came to Chicago and 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 got sober, started selling cars. Became a car dealer. I was in the car business for 28, 29 years, 28 years. Um, and then we sold out in 09 when things blew up and, and became a mortgage broker. And uh, that to this day has been going 
unbelievably well. So I've been very blessed and very fortunate. But I think it all has to do with the work ethic that I gained by by having a dad who I did. I'd watch my dad get up seven days of work, sometimes 16 hours a day to work to feed the family. And, and And we wanted for nothing. You know, we also became... You know, very close knit. We were uh, we were close knit. We were a clan, and we still act that way. Suzanne, I just had we went to uh, we we have a uh, a family reunion uh, in Canada every year, and there's 40 mm. of us. You know, mm. uh, and my older brothers and sisters have all passed over, crossed over, but their kids and their kids' kids continue this tradition, and we all yes. we're all together because we're all very close. Christopher, my boy, loved that week. He would get together with his two twin cousins who were the same age, and they didn't separate for a week. It was like these three toe-headed kids walking down, mm-hmm. walking down the street mm-hmm. to the beach or playing basketball. And and today, you know, I, even when we go to Canada, which we did the first week of August with the whole family, every time I see you know a couple of kids together, it still warms my heart and breaks it at the same time. Oh, I know that feeling. Yeah, but so. You Let's talk about Christopher, who I, I mentioned to you yeah. just before the show started. I know he's here with us, and we'll let him guide us as to when I say a few things from him. It's well, kind of unusual for that to happen during the show because I usually do one or the other, tune in or talk to, as the host. But why don't you tell us what led up to Christopher crossing the veil? Yeah, in... in uh... Christmas of 2016, um, all the college kids, all the local kids, I live on the north shore of, of Chicago, just in northern suburbs on the lake, off just off the lake. And uh, all the kids were came home from college for college break. And, and the last weekend, um, the last hurrah, uh, they, had, uh, they all went up to a lake house in Lake Beulah, Wisconsin, to kick up their heels the following, they'd start filtering back to school the following week. So um, there was a dozen of them went up there. And to, and to be honest with you, you know, New Year's Eve always scared me with because I was such a wild kid that my kids would end up in trouble or whatever. So there was a relief that New Year's went without any incident. And so they were just going to go up there. And, and to be honest, we thought that, wow, what a what a safe environment. They're going to be in this lake house. This one kid owned a big lake. His parents owned a big lake house on a small lake. So they could drink, shoot pool, rough house, do whatever, and, and be in this bucolic setting where it was going to be safe. Right. So, you know, we breathed a little sigh of relief, not knowing what would lay in store. And so uh, uh, that the, the following day, which was uh, January 3rd, 2016, I was... Uh, you know, getting ready to watch. I grew up in Buffalo, so we're Buffalo Bills fans. Chris was a huge Bills fan, and and we were going to watch the game together. And so I was texting, "Hey, what's going on, buddy?" And I get a text that said, "Mr. McHugh, Christopher, and three friends are missing." Mm-hmm. So I grabbed a winter jacket, put on some hunting boots, and my, my threw my lab in the back of the jeep and started heading up north. About an hour and a half ride, mm-hmm. uh, fully anticipating that I was going to find him with some co-ed or in a boathouse or sleeping in somebody's Jeep or something. You know, I didn't realize that my wife already knew that he was in her heart of hearts, that he wasn't coming back. Mm. So halfway up, excuse me, uh, if I get a little sentimental, but halfway up, uh, I got a call that said it was no longer a a search, but a recovery that all four of the boys had drowned. And uh, yeah, so I, 
I drove up, and, and the other families were getting there, and, and the kids were all huddled in a corner crying and half-frozen lake. And, and what happened at 3 o'clock in the morning? Uh, four of them went outside, <clears throat> saw an unlocked boathouse, jumped in a three-man canoe and were roughhousing, I guess. And and the details that I got actually for, from a medium that was confirmed later on by uh, by the medical examiner. And so uh, somehow it overturned, and it was a perfect storm, Suzanne. They, they were all wearing layered clothing. <clears throat> they had left their phones in the boathouse so they wouldn't get wet. They all had the Timberland boots, the Tims that they wore, unlaced. And they were all, you know, half in the bag. They'd been drinking and, yep. and celebrating. And uh, and it all led to uh, this tsunami that hit that, uh, you know, something happened, rough housing, boat overturned, they couldn't get it up between the cold water and, and the alcohol. Um, you know, they all crossed over that day. Uh, it was a... You know that that the, the drive up is still kind of misty. Um, I was I was watching a documentary that somebody had just recently filmed on it and it showed the boats on the lake and it, it was, it's still sometimes hard to believe that that, that can happen. So um, I had to go up and we had all the details and and you know I, I de- they wouldn't let me identify his body. That's what they do in Wisconsin, but a picture and it was him. You know, it was the Celtic yeah. cross and the Buffalo Bison's baseball jacket and. Uh, so I had to start it's your worst phone nightmare. Call. I had to start. I had to call my wife, and uh, my son William wrote a, a, a story called "The First or the Worst" about just hearing his mom shriek and coming up from the yeah. basement. He was watching NFL, and uh, and call his godmother, who's now with him on the other side, Marsha, his aunt Marsha, my my favorite sister, and uh, and his godfather Michael, and and. Just to let him know he was gone, um, and then you know we we I went home empty-handed because they they had to ship because of going over state lines they had to ship the ship his remains home the next couple of days and uh, and there was a bunch of details you know we had a we had a funeral and and a mass and and gravestones and 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 and, and graves and and receptions and. Um, and so it just kept moving, left foot, right foot. To this day, I, I, I'm not sure how it happened, but I do. I think God stepped in. And you know, interesting thing, Susanna, is every night for the first three nights, I would get on my knees and thank God for my sobriety and thank mm-hmm. God for my family. But I'd say to God, but I'm PO'd at you. You took my kid. You know, we're not good. You know, I, I you know, I acknowledge you as the creator. But, you know, don't think we're okay with this. And there was only two times in my life that I get a feedback from from God. And this one said, uh, the third night, I didn't take your son. His recklessness and self-will caused him to come home early, cross early. Mm-hmm. He said, I welcomed him home. And remember, I lost a son too. So at that point, I knew God wasn't this adversary making yeah. me pay for my past sins. I knew that he was the reason I was able to keep going to to <clears throat> put these arrangements together to 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 bring my boy home you know, and yeah. and put him somewhere safe that we can visit to this day, which I do. And we'll talk about that later because it comes up quite a few times in your book. You've written a <laughs> sure book does. a book called My Search for Christopher on the Other Side, 
and it details all of the efforts you've gone through, but with success to connect with Christopher. Right. So while this is a, no doubt about it from the human viewpoint, a tragic story, four families just crushed by this. Uh, the other side of the coin is from the higher perspective. What you've learned is that your son is still accessible and he communicates with you. And, and I apologize if I've stolen your line, but I write often when I'm inscribing my book that your, your, your son or your daughter is still right here. <laughs> They're still with <laughs> you, still right here, because it's nothing is more perfect than that line's about that. So, well, it's um, not my line. It's what spirit tells us. We're right here, and there's only here in consciousness. Right, right. right. You know, so, so that I wasn't ready or willing to accept a world devoid of my boy. Right. So I, you know, 16 years before, this is where the railroad comes in, 16 years before on some sort of spiritual quest or curiosity or something, I went and saw a, uh, a medium um, who somebody suggested to me. And, and there was no sense of urgency, Susanna. My parents yeah. had died in normal stages. I had a brother that died early, but we weren't ridiculously close. And I didn't feel this, you know, break, bro- broken heart at that point. You know, it, it healed. And, and so... I went and saw this medium mainly just, you know, to see what that was about. And and most of the reading, and her name is Nancy Meyer. She's in Surprise, Arizona, and she's a good gal. And and we've touched base a bunch when Christopher first crossed over. And most of the reading was mundane. Your grandmother here says you should do this, you're this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm checking my watch, right? Like, i got to get back to work. And and, uh, and as I'm about to leave, she said, your dad's here. And she said, you know, he seems to have had a tough life. You know, he's really content to be on the other side. Well, your mom's still pretty curious about this side. You know, your dad's really content. And she said he seemed to have some kind of learning disability or something. But, you know, he said to show it's you, to to show you it's him, he's holding a caboose and he's telling you railroad. Now, this is 2000. This is before Google searches. And my old man wasn't famous, probably like yours, Suzanne. He was just a hardworking guy. So the, you're not going to look up my old man and find out that he was a railroader. You know? so, and even if they had Google searches, which they didn't. Then. So I knew at that point that there was, in fact, a place that we go now because my old man was there. Iron Joe was there. So I just put that in the library, in the in the file cabinet in my brain. And 16 years later, when my son had drowned, I pulled that out and said, if there's a place where my old man is, then I guarantee you my son should be there too. And and that's when I started my search for him, figuring one of two things. I was either going to connect with him or find out it's all BS and move on and figure out another way to heal. But but it certainly took me down an entirely different path than 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 that. You know, it was it brought me back. It brought my boy and I back together again. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hey, everybody. I apologize for those technical difficulties. The last thing I want to do is cut short Joe and his time and 
speaking with all of us. So let's just pick up right where we ended, Joe. You were talking about your first connections with your son, yeah. Christopher Carpenter. So, so I did. So I saw I, I saw Nancy Myers, and she, we had a wonderful series of phone uh, readings and, and meetings and connection, but it wasn't enough. I really wanted to go to the next step, and, and that was I wanted to look into the face of somebody who who was talking to my son, you know, the medium that was seeing him and talking to him, who was clairvoyant, clairaudient. So I, I went to a, a website, and it turned out, unbeknownst to me, it was Bob Olson's website, and I loved his book, which I read later, and, and I found a local medium, and I called him, and he called me back, and I always figured, well, what the heck, I can always cancel if I don't feel like it. And so the following week, I uh, made an appointment. And what I did that morning, Suzanne, was was pretty interesting, because that morning I I went to my son's grave, and I had ordered some shamrock seeds, and, and we're Irish. And and a little side note is he was buried in January, which is very cold in the Midwest, in Chicago, near the lake, and, and so the ground was covered. And so we'd bought six plots, his godfather, my pal Michael and I, we figured we'd divide them up later and so that we knew they were ours. And she said, where do you want to bury Chris? And I said, on the end by the tree, which was fine. Well, as soon as the snow started to melt, we noticed that he was next to another couple. It looked like he was their kid, and I was livid. You know, There's one fact of this universe for now and forever is that Christopher is my son. So I talked to him, and, and we argued and bartered back and forth, and we ended up moving him over one grave. And I'm going to yeah. occupy the grave he was in. So this is June, and, and the ground is now soft enough that they had just moved them. And so I was going to plant some shamrocks around his grave, which I did. And before I left the house, I grabbed a, out of, out of, just out of an instinct. I just reached into the desk drawer and pulled out a, a leather thong bracelet that he had given me um, when we were in Disney World, when he was... Uh, uh, three or four, we went to Disney World, and it said Dad on it. It had a, had a picture of Goofy on the clasp. And I put that on, <clears throat> went to his grave, talked to him a little bit, and headed to this mediums. And I walked into Andrew Anderson and introduced me. He wanted to see pictures of Chris, and I showed him some pictures. And he said, well, Chris is here, and he's he's beautiful, and he's, you know, he's quite a good-looking boy. And he said... Um, uh, you know, he looks like Brad Pitt. He said, you know, but and all the pictures show him smiling and laughing, but there was times when he was not happy, that he was sad and didn't want to be here. And we known that he had wrestled with depression. And he said, but Chris wants you to acknowledge, wants to acknowledge that you planted something at his grave before you came here. And Chris acknowledges that you were wearing a bracelet he gave you. The bracelet wasn't in sight. And nobody, including my wife, knew that I planted those shamrock seeds. I wasn't hiding it. It was just nothing I needed to discuss. Yeah, so not so many men wear bracelets. So that's right. I, I do now with a, which says, life is honestly so beautiful, which is was his, his, was his quote. And we give them out along with baseball caps. I'll send you a couple. And his golf outing, which we just had, the fourth annual Chris McHugh and, um, for charity. And, and he said, Chris also acknowledges that on, on his birthday you celebrated the way you always did, which we did. We all went to Rana, Japan, once a year for each of the kids' birthday. And he acknowledges that you launched a, uh, a balloon or a, and he pointed to a, a, a painting of, of Chinese lanterns, which we did. 
This is 10 minutes mm-hmm. in, Suzanne, and he's just yeah. nailed me with things that nobody else was party to. I didn't share those. I didn't put them on Twitter. I didn't know how to get on Twitter. You know, I, those were just things that, so all that was evidence that not only was my son on the other side, but he was a strong enough spirit that this early on, six months in, he could communicate. Andrew also said, he said, your whole family, and there's a lot on the other side, big Irish family. He said, yeah. everybody came together, he said, last night for some celebration. What was that? Well, Sally and my wedding anniversary was the night before. We've been married now, you know, 28 years. You know, and but that was amazing to me. And subsequently, Andrew and I, Andrew's become part of our lives. You know, he's a, and, and, and a friend, and, and, a, and I think a confident. Sally saw him and didn't get the same, the same reaction, the same uh, give and take that I did. You know, so I think it's, it's like interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's like coaches yeah. or teachers. You when you connect, you connect, and and that was my start on this one-on-one intense move to to connect with Chris. And so, at now, first, I would you know, scribble Jill, all this down. Go ahead. Let me interrupt you, please. Sure. In, in reading your book, I, you've been to a lot of mediums, and yes. I, I would like to talk about that a little bit because sure. there comes a point when some people might become a little addicted to mediums, and yeah. you've found a way to connect with him yourself, which is ultimately the goal. But I do want to comment that I, I found it amusing from my viewpoint as a medium how you were you went into at least one reading, wanting to hear that one specific thing from your son that would show you it was him. And that's the last thing any medium ever wants to hear. Uh, how have you dealt with that? Well, and because it, so, uh, uh, and it's actually close. What happened was it was a small group reading. Sally, William, and I went and saw Thomas John. And we had seen him in a large group, and he came over to us and just started nailing us. He said, your son, <coughs> excuse me, he said, your son, you know, drowned in a cold weather with three other friends. They've all crossed together. You know, this was the, the, the December, you know, just almost a year after he had crossed over and and just nailed us with this stuff. So in March, I thought I'd treat, you know, Caroline was in college, so I'd treat William, and, and he had seen Andrew a few times. My, my youngest boy was 19 now. He was 16 at the time. And Sally and I went to see Thomas John. And William asked and, lo- you know, loved Andrew, but said, you know, he wanted Christopher to acknowledge that his favorite sports team was the Buffalo Bills. And he didn't come through, and uh, or, he, or he didn't come through with those answers. And and as a matter of fact, I thought the reading was a bit of a bust until I listened to the recording. And it was a bust because it was all for Sally. <laughs> it was a bust because <laughs> my, the narcissistic... That's what I want to impress upon... That's what I would like to impress upon those who are listening, that we go into as as the recipients of a reading into a reading with certain expectations and that really gets in the way sometimes yes. of hearing what our loved ones are saying. Upon upon review, it was an amazing reading. Five or six months later, Sally and I individually went and saw the same medium, Thomas John. And the first thing he came out with is, why do I see a charging buffalo? What's with the buffalo bills? <laughs> so I came yeah. back and said, There's well, you know what? Bills. Yeah, your story, your, your your answer came through. It just came through on his time, not yours. And and that's, that's kind of right. what I've learned too is, is lower expect my expectation, and just be in awe of the entire process. We're we're talking to somebody on the other side, you know. We're talking to somebody who's had to lower his 
vibration and energy to to, to match ours. That alone's a miracle. Exactly. So any instinct, any interaction I get from him is is an absolute gift that I'm just I cherish. Well, let's see. Let me just tell you then a little gift. He just showed up to me even before the show, and the one thing that's coming through from him is I would say the words fiercely loyal to you, <laughs> to the family, to all his friends, uh, and I, I, I know there's a lot of information in in the book about Christopher, but uh, that I don't know if that specifically was there, but he's showing me that and. Joe, one thing he keeps showing me over and over is you going through a closet, and it's the shirts in the closet, one after another, and this feels like a current event. It's, if you're not wearing a shirt of his, there's some, or you may have a new shirt, but he wants me to bring attention to you and the shirt hanging in the closet. Does that have any meaning to you right now? Yeah. I came home, and, and I wasn't seeing clients today. Actually, I was, but I was still pretty casual. I was in you know, golf shorts and, and a Tommy Bahama button-down shirt. When I got home to talk to you, because I, I do these things in my office at home that used to be his bedroom, so his energy really moves freely here. I went over to my closet on a hanger. was and a t-shirt. a different shirt. I picked yeah, out a Buffalo ahead. a Buffalo Bills shirt that I just got in the mail a couple of days ago. It's the first time I wore it. Hoorah. That's and I wore say. it for my boy. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. You know he's right here. And now for some reason he was quacking earlier and laughing. Very There's something about quacking or ducks or rubber ducks, and he's making duck sounds. So I'll leave that with you if that has any <laughs> meaning at all. I don't know, but it will come to me. I guarantee you he, he okay, will. Okay, you and then there is a feeling that uh, there's a fist fight I'm supposed to talk about. There's a feeling that you, at some point in your life, would not have hesitated to use your fists. And, and it's kind of like he had to learn to temper down that that yeah. ferocity. Yeah, we both have yeah. that. It's that, you know, it's that chip on your shoulder. You know, that that, <laughs> that blue collar, who do, who do they think they are? You know that that you know circle the wagons, you know, and 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 we, we, we he he had to learn it, and I think he's learned it on the other side, and I and it's been tempered out of me, and I'm I'm a different guy than I was, and before my son crossed over, but you know the, the and I the, want to talk about that gone. more, yeah. But one other thing, he's really shouting at me for everybody, everybody who's listening. He passed at the same time as his three friends, and yes. he's saying, we're all right here. We're all right here. And I know you know that, Joe, because of I you. Do. You know that from uh, talking to so many mediums. But they, they still hang out together is what he's saying, and that for them, it wasn't scary. They were just uh, actually what he's showing me now is a moment of, uh-oh, we really screwed up, you know, but yeah. very much together. So, uh, boy, we'll have to get you a reading at a separate time so we don't I'd take the whole <laughs> second half hour here talking to your son. But I love that showing me you picking out a special shirt today just for this. So there's And I'm wearing it. That's what I'm wearing right now as we speak. So I, I, it's so funny. <laughs> so cool. So I want to tell everybody that this regular Joe we're talking to here who probably never saw himself as uh, woo-woo at all is no, what we no. talk about those who get into the afterlife you now make it a habit of getting up at 3 in the morning to talk to your son, don't you? I do. And, and it, you know, it happened just a, a, a few days ago. And uh, it happens a few times a month. And the first time was 
on the anniversary of his crossing the first year. And I woke up mm-hmm. at 3 o'clock, and when you're 62, and you, <laughs> you wake up at 3 o'clock, or it's different times of the night, but I started waking up at 3 o'clock kind of regularly, and I really assumed it was because he had drowned between, you know, around that time. But I subsequently mm-hmm. found out that, that the bewitching hour, where the where their energy is, is spirit is very strong, is between three and four. So yeah, I that's got, an I, interesting I, term you use there. We want to keep away from that word witch, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe in witches either. You know, I believe in. There's nothing negative about this. The the messages I get yeah. from him are all about hope, love, and 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 you know he Absolutely. he would chide me when I was writing this book, and he would say, Dad, you got to get this thing done. You got to help other people. You know, so everything there is nothing negative. It's all, it's all about love and 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 spirit and and togetherness, and we're all together. So I w- I got up and and I came in and I lit. I did the same things. That I uh, aligned my chakras. I, I lit candles and sage and and listened to some meditation music. And it was a year. It was the fir- the anniversary. And I I I picked up the pen and started getting messages getting downloads is the best way i could i could i can figure it and started writing it out in longhand and i thought it was automatic writing until i you know uh, a year later figured out that it wasn't it was channel writing automatic's entirely different right until i read bob olson's book that described automatic writing and i said whoops i had to go back and change every term in my book because i thought it was i was pretty new you include a lot of those communications from your son who passed in your book and and i know from experience and communicating with so many souls this is your son talking so you've done a fabulous job of connecting with him but it just cracks me up i mean here you are this this tough guy railroader turned car salesman and you just said publicly on the air yes i aligned my chakras and i burned the sage and i mean that's just so you know you're right you know know what i after i hang up with you i've got to send out the hockey schedule for Sunday night because we start playing <laughs> hockey again. So at 62, I'm getting too old. I'm on my last dog and my last pair of skates. Here's an amazing quote. I was talking to a, my buddy Michael's wife's cousin, and, and and I talked about how growing up, even though I there were my parents didn't always approve of my behavior, I knew I was loved. And and she wrote down this note, and it's literally her handwriting on this note, and it said, "Is the." unassailable self-confidence that comes from a childhood insulated with love. So what that means is if I'm saying something to somebody who doesn't buy this, that's okay. I don't care. We're we're from Shanty Irish, 10 kids in the family. Neighbors didn't like us. Nobody liked us. So, you know, we cared about each other. So if this isn't somebody's cup of tea, I get it. Right. I don't need yeah. you to approve what I'm doing. You know, I, I need yeah. Chris, Chris to approve it. You know, I need Chris to be yeah. proud of me. And I know he is, Suzanne. And and for me, that's, that's no it. Doubt. Yeah. And if, and if and you know, you're, you're reaching people, Joe, that wouldn't normally right. pay attention to this. They're very straight laced, normal, dogmatic religion. And yet I've seen some of the places and heard some of the groups that you're talking to. And it's fantastic you're opening doors and that's what he you know what and 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 that's what he wanted me to do that's what he pushed me to do he would say dad you're you're a good ambassador because people who wouldn't normally you know buy this will if it comes from you so you've got to reach out i mean his real focus is for me 
you know, to reach out to especially men because men don't think it's okay to to grieve and cry and, and, and talk to their beloved children who've crossed over, you know, that they think they're gone. You know, women are allowed yeah. to have support groups. Women are allowed to support each other. Men are supposed to suck it up buttercup. And that's not true, you know. What, what the messages that I'm getting from him are is that I've got to carry this. I got to open. Uh, I got to give him hope, you know. And if a That's guy right. like me can reach my son on the other side, then anybody can. You just got to try a little harder. Yeah. People say to me on in interviews, you know, well I've tried to reach <clears throat> my sister, brother, mother, father, <clears throat> excuse me, and I haven't been able to reach him. And I say try harder. You know, you know, I, I picked up a book called when I first started doing this. You know, idiots die, complete idiots guide to communicating with spirits. I'm going to do whatever it I takes. I have that book. <laughs> it's a great book. Isn't it great? It I'm going to do what yeah. I'm going to do whatever it takes to. I went to Lilydale, spent the night at Lilydale, did a reading. I was at three o'clock in the morning. I was in that that circle, that inspiration stump in, in, in Lilydale, and felt this amazing rush of spirit. You know, and yeah. I'm going to I'm going to go to great lengths, any lengths I can. To, to, to connect with my son. If my son was willing or needed or wanted, you know, me to to to, to talk at three o'clock in the morning, of course I would get up and do it. So why wouldn't I do it now? You know. You know, so, he just showed me the image, Joe, of bare chested with the paint on the chest at a football game, cheering the crazy guys in the stands doing that. Do you have a memory of him doing that? Well, he was a little nuts, and and it was mostly there were the, the Bills fans are that way. He didn't put the chest on, but he was always in Bills jerseys. Him and his college buddies they turned his fraternity at in outside of Chicago, an AKL fraternity, into a Bills fraternity. They fly the Bills flag. <laughs> I've got a Bills jersey with his name signed by every one of those boys, and those boys. Diverse kids from all over. Those boys are family to us now. They show up at every well, golf party. I have party. to tell you, I got to tell you, I don't want to. I don't want to get off track here too much. No. But what he's showing in response to what you were just talking about is he is your biggest cheerleader now. He's <laughs> the one that's cheering you on. From this is clearly what he's trying to show is like nothing's going to stop my dad. And uh, uh, you know, you you even yeah. bribed me with chocolate to get you on the show. You didn't need to do that, you know. <laughs> You know what? Any I'll go to any lengths to get my boy's story out there. I need, I I need. This is a mission for me now. You know, I, this is. So how a, about signs from him? All I the mean, time. We have the channeling. We he comes through meetings. Can you maybe give us the top two or three signs in the short time we have left that have left? Sure. No doubt it was your son. You can't deny it. Okay. The first, uh, the, he went to a place called Imbalance Ranch Academy where it was a boarding school for boys with addiction. I'm on the board now, um, and then he stayed on his staff. And the first time we went back for a fundraiser, and they asked me to speak at a fundraiser and talk to the boys, uh, one of his therapists, one of his counselors, was a, was a full-blooded uh, Cherokee Indian. And, and he was telling us, he took us a tour back of the ranch, which we were all familiar with. We'd been there with him. And, and he said, you know, the, the, he said, we believe that, you know, the, the the feathers are very powerful, very powerful uh, signs from the other side. So please look for those from Christopher. So the next day we went and met with uh, Christopher's godson, Johnny Gonzalez, who was about three or four years old, who, uh, you know, olive skin, dark hair, but sure reminded us of our boy, that energy. And both Sally and I picked up a feather in this park. And I handed my feather to 
Sally because she had a purse and said or a bag and I said could you just throw this in there and maybe put it on my desk when we get home and she said sure so as soon as we got home I headed over to the I headed over to the grave which I go to and and you gotta understand I go there all the time and it's not an old man sitting around on a park bench a lonely old I go there because the energy is perfect to communicate with my son there so I go there and I'm and you know he's not really there yeah. all the no, time no no right? he, he meets yeah. me there he joins me there there you go it's okay. just the energy is good there i mean he the energy is good on beaches in florida with him too and i know he's not there all the time either but he's with me when i'm mm-hmm. there so mm-hmm. i go to the grave and dang if there's not that feather of mine which i'm holding right now that i used to b- move around the sage on the gravestone and so i i said to sally i get home and i said hey i asked you to put the thing on my desk. You didn't say leave it on the grave. You know, she said, I didn't put a feather on your grave. Your feather's up on your desk where you asked me to. And next time, bring your own damn feather home. <laughs> you know, so, you know, um, that's one example. Uh, in other words, he sends me cardinals all the time, all the time. And last in Christmas, right, be- right, yeah. right before Christmas, um, uh, and I've known, I have red birds all over, in my, and I've got one on, a tattoo on my forearm now. Um, when I go to Cub games, everybody thinks I'm a Cardinal fan, but I'm not. You know, I'm a, I'm a Chris McQuillan fan. So I, I go to the grave, and there's a song that came on when I was doing some shopping. that said, always got to be you. And I, I'm sitting in his grave, and I'm just crying. You know, I'm, I'm, now I'm in the car, going to order, pick up, take out dinner. And I'm crying, and I said, I sure could use a little something from you, buddy. Cardinal flew right by my windshield and settled in a pine mm. tree to the left, five, six feet, and sat there. And I went to take my phone to take a picture of it, and it moved back in. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was just like, this moment you're in mind, Dad. This isn't this isn't a Facebook moment. This is us, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I get those signs all the time, but I'm aware. I'm, I, you know, yeah. I ask for them, and they show up. Um, and so I think Before if anybody's we, out there. I got to interrupt you a second. I have to interrupt you a second. You're going to finish that thought, but your son keeps putting in my mind's eye a train engine up on a shelf, a small one. You would have this in your house. I know you said everybody's railroaders, but you recognize that engine? Yeah. You might even be looking at it now. Yeah, we we had a train set downstairs on a shelf in the basement. Okay. Um, all but right. So, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but he, I didn't want to miss another message from him. <laughs> so it's railroad. It's, it's who we everything. are. You know, that's, okay. that's handed so down from his grandfather. <laughs> yeah. So that is my thought. So signs are there. So you just got to, yeah. if you're open to them, you know, they're, the, my feeling, and I'm only a three and a half years in on this thing, Suzanne, but my feeling is your loved ones are there. They just need you to do your part. And they'll send signs and songs and love. But you got to open up, man. Now, do you meditate? Yeah, you know, I never did. I do now. Yeah, I do. I What I do is here's my routine. I come in and I do it the same. I played a lot of ball growing up. And when you're on a hitting streak, you don't change. You don't change your socks. You don't change your glove. You know, you, know, you do what you, you know, it's the same <laughs> thing. So I, I got from this first instance, and, and the first meeting he came to me, he said to me, and I'm writing this stuff down furiously, and he said, you know, he said, look, you you got to let go of it, Dad. I love Scotty, and he loved me. Well, what he was talking about was that I had a resentment because this is the kid whose family owned the beach house. And I thought, sure, Chris, I'll let go of it. Besides, when will I ever need that? Twelve hours later at the grave, 40 kids showed up on his anniversary. One was Scotty. 
So those those aren't coincidences. Your coincidence is God showing off. A coincidence is God showing love. That's a new one for me. I'll I'll take that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and is your family okay with your mission? Because it truly seems to be all encompassing. Yeah, you know what? I'm still I'm a I'm a very attentive dad. I'm I'm a hardworking guy. I mean, uh, it's just he in my DNA. He shows me a terrier, like like with a with a bone in the mouth. You're not. Yeah, gonna <laughs> I've been accused of being a little tenacious. I've been accused of being a varmint, you know. And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm a hardworking guy. So this is this. So the family's on board. I mean, they're they're everything's their their grief is their story, but my wife's had her experiences. So has my son. He's visited Caroline, so he's still part of the family. It's not just him and I, although I'm the recipient of this channeling, which is really fortunate for me. Well, I believe that that's a direct testament not only to your love but to your commitment to connecting with him. And, Joe, I want to thank you for coming on the show, for showing all of us that it is possible for anybody, not just spiritual teachers or mediums, to connect with their loved ones. So everybody check out my search for Christopher. This has been Joe McQuillan, and we're just honored to have had you and Christopher on the show. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you so much, Suzanne. (laughs) All righty. I have a little bit of trouble here because I don't see how much time we have left, but (laughs) I just want to thank everybody for coming on the show this week and, uh, just know that you can do this too that's the main reason i wanted to bring you on the show joe well i'm grateful that you did it was important that i talked to you and it was important to chris and that's why it happened absolutely and we'll get together and do that reading because he's surely not going to leave us alone until we do good i'm on board for that one Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.